Good morning. Good morning. I have to tell you, it looks very different from up here. <laughs> so, um, well, again, happy Mother's Day. I'm so excited to be able to share with you this morning. As Russ said, I'm going to talk a little bit about my story, a little bit about what God's been teaching me through this journey. Um, there's parts of it that are going to be raw, um, but I'm excited to just have the opportunity to just stand up and talk to you a little bit. But I really wanted to start off today. I just thought, you know, Mother's Day is a great chance for us to just take in some mothering advice and what better place to turn for advice than Facebook, right? (laughs) So if you want to pop up the next slide, this is a post that I saw on Facebook earlier this week that tells us, here's what you need to be a mom in 2017. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, properly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free, processed foods-free, GMO-free, negative energy-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing but fostering of independence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably on a cul-de-sac with a backyard and 1.5 siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper development. Also, don't forget the coconut oil. (laughs) Whew! And just if we needed a little piece of comparison, how to be a mom in literally every other generation before ours, just feed them sometimes. (laughs) Wow. Now, this is really meant to be humorous, but I think a lot of us as moms, when we look at that, we think, okay, we'll laugh a little bit, and then we kind of go through this mental checklist. (laughs) Okay, GMO-free, nope, not there. Um, uh, Screen-free, maybe, sometimes, two-story house, well, we're close, right? I know I have that tendency to look at those things, even when they're supposed to be funny and say, I'm failing. If this is the scorecard, I am certainly not mom enough. Being a mom is tough. And I'm sure that all of us that are moms out there can agree. It is tough work. And since most of us came into being a mom with no experience, and there's really no manual, we turn to where where we have access to information. We look at what other people are doing. And... For people that are momming in 2017, a lot of that will turn to Facebook. And so if you want to pop up the next slide, too, just a couple of interesting things I found out this week about moms and Facebook. Um, In a 2016 uh, Moms and Media report, 74% of moms who are online have used Facebook in the last week. Over half of moms are also active on Pinterest. Um, Moms check Facebook an average of 10.1 times a day. So actually, here's one place that I can say, you know what, I think I'm a little bit above average here. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, and and when we get, when we look at those things on Facebook, we see, um, you know, we see posts from our friends about, hey, look at my child just won this trophy or did this great thing at school. Or, look, I just... I just coordinated this great craft for every kid in our neighborhood. And we're left sitting back there thinking, okay, well, um, I think Max bathed today. (laughs) 
although I couldn't be too sure. Um, I, I swept up the dust bunnies on the kitchen floor, so maybe, maybe that would measure up. And, the, and as we're looking at, uh, so as we see these more and more, and we're, we're going to those as kind of, this is our source, this is where we're going to get our, our ideal of what it looks like to be a great mom, um, what, we're, what we're doing instead is we're internalizing this unrealistic view of, of what it is, because what we're seeing are people's highlight reels, and we're living real life. Because the truth is, if I posted my real life, on Facebook, it would look something like this. Instead of saying, hey, look at this. My child is, is excelling academically. And look at his report card. It would say, two years ago, I got a call from Max's second grade teacher and was asked to come into school and sit down and talk to her. And we were early in the year. And she said, you know, I am certainly, I'm, I'm not sure that Max should have moved up to second grade. He was having problems reading. He was having problems writing. His math skills weren't up to par. And I looked at my other son, who is an honor roll student, and I thought, how could I not be enough? How could I not do the right things to get Max to that level? And so I walked home from that just feeling defeated, feeling like the teacher was looking at me thinking, you are just not mom enough for this child. And instead of posting things like, hey, look at this great craft that I organized for my kids this week. And I actually did post this one on Facebook. So if you're my friends, you might see this. A couple months ago, I um, was having some issues with the boys wrestling in the living room, and they wouldn't stop. And they thought it was fun, like the more I said, hey, I think we should stop that. Someone's going to get hurt. The TV's going to get broken. They kept going and kept going and kept going. And so I did the only thing that I could think of that a sane mother would do to get their child's attention. And I jumped up and down, and I screamed really loud, and I flung the remote control across the room. And it hit the wall, and it broke into several pieces. And so now, instead of this great craft that they had that we did for the weekend, what I have is actually a reminder of my lack of patience for my children and a television that's now stuck on the Disney Channel. <laughs> so if we really get down to it, real life, real momming is really not as pretty as it is on Pinterest or on Facebook. Uh, one of the other interesting things that I found, too, is there was a study done by professors in Ohio State, um, at Ohio State University, where they looked at moms nine months after they had given birth. And they found that those moms that used Facebook were actually, actually showed more symptoms of depression than moms that weren't regularly on Facebook. And whereas they couldn't pinpoint a direct correlation to the Facebook use and the, the symptoms of depression, what they did find is that these moms were looking for valid of their efforts of being a mom. And so because they had access to Facebook, they were going out to Facebook looking for that validation. And instead what they were finding was, oh, it's so great. It's so, you know, everything's going great with my new baby and they're sleeping through the night and all of this. And they're looking at, at their life and they're thinking, I haven't slept in days. You know, I don't know what's next. And so... Um, so they were seeing that, that these symptoms um, 
were, were increased for, for these moms. And as Russ talked about when, uh, when he introduced me, I've been through many, many seasons of motherhood. Um, stepmom, new mom, working mom, stay-at-home mom, mom of boys, now I'm a mom of a teenager, which really freaks me out. Maybe next year we can talk about that for the message. But in each one of those seasons, I still felt that I didn't measure up. Even with all of the experience under my belt, you know, I've been a mom for you know, over 13 years now, I should have this down. It doesn't happen that way. When I worked outside the home full time, I felt guilty because I wasn't at home with my kids. When I stayed home with my kids, I felt guilty because there were some days, there was actually many days when I wanted to be at work. Um, I was fairly convinced that I was the only parent that was gonna send their kids to kindergarten in diapers. Um, I feed my kids SpaghettiOs and pizza rolls on a regular basis, sorry. And, and I think I already told you this, I don't even know if Max showered today, so, so don't get too close to him any minute. I'm sorry, kids ministry. <laughs> wow. Um, so I see this in myself a lot. I see my tendency to look towards or to look at what other people are doing, to look at what my friends are doing, what's happening on Facebook, what all of these, um, you know, model moms are doing. And I, I find myself in that tendency to, um, to put this pressure on myself to live up to that, that image of motherhood. And so, um, and this is actually um, author Jill Savage, actually the next slide too, refers to this as the perfection infection. And this is a quote from her book, No More Perfect Moms, where she says, the more we compare, the higher our expectations are set, and the more the perfection infection sets in. It's a subtle erosion of our satisfaction. If we don't recognize it, the discontentment can turn into disappointment. And then the disappointment can eventually turn into disillusionment. However, the disillusionment cannot really be resolved because what you are longing for, the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect husband, I would add the perfect child, the perfect mothering experience, simply does not exist. And so the more, um, the more we get caught up in that rat race, the more we get caught up in that comparison trap, the more, we're, the more we succumb to this perfection infection and the more that we are disillusioned with our real life and left feeling like we're not enough. But what if I told you that our not enough moments or days or even seasons, no matter what they are, create the perfect backdrop for God to show up? Two years ago was the start of a season for me um, that was one that I never, never saw coming, and that was the season of being a single mom. And one of the things that I've learned is that there's anything that can make you feel more not enough, it's a season that you were not prepared for. And so um, the boys and I struggled to adjust to what was becoming a new normal for us. And as I looked at our finances, I realized there wouldn't be enough to sustain us long term until I went back to work. As I looked at our house, I realized that I did not have enough skill to keep the house functioning at a, at a livable level. 
And as I looked at the boys and I looked at the hurt that they were going through and I was dealing with my own broken heart and bruised spirit, I realized I didn't have enough of what it would take to fix them either. In all of my moments of not being enough, this was definitely definitely the, the lowest. And I knew this even without turning to my Facebook feed. And it was during this time, it was, a, it was about probably 18 months ago, I remember being alone in my room one night, crying out to God that I just couldn't do this by myself. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't have the money. The house isn't going to be taken care of. The boys are hurting. I don't know what to do with them. I, I can't do this alone. And I felt him say to me, I never asked you to. And because I thought he might have forgotten what I had told him before, I reminded him again. So sometimes I do that with him. I just say, hey, you might have forgotten. My husband just left. We don't have any money, or we don't have enough money. I'm alone. I'm not enough for this. And God said to me at that time, that's exactly why I'm here. And that was the moment that I started to understand that our not enough moments or days or seasons are the perfect backdrop for God to show up. And even if you're not a mom, you might be living in one of those seasons right now of not enough. You might be in one of those places where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel like there's something that you just can't do. Maybe you've recently lost a job and now you're feeling the, the pressure of not enough finances. Uh, maybe there's pressures at work that are keeping you from being enough at your home. Uh, maybe there's a relationship that's falling apart. And try and try and try as you might, you just can't do enough to fix it. Or, like me, maybe you're the mom who woke up this morning and looked at her kids and wondered, am I enough for them? So um, in the rest of our time today, I just want to share some examples from scripture that um, God has really laid on my heart recently to, to just illustrate this point that he shows up in those times that we think there is not enough and that we think that there's no way that there can be enough, that he is there. And then I'll wrap it up with um, some reminders that I think he wants us to take with us as we walk through these seasons of not enough. And even if you're not in one of those seasons right now, I guarantee you will be in one of those someday. So there'll be good things to just tuck away. So we're going to start um, in the book of Luke in chapter 9 with a story that's familiar to a lot of us. Um, and it's the story of the loaves and fish. And so as we enter into this chapter or into this passage, Jesus was teaching a group of people who had gathered around and wanted to see him. And it was kind of an unexpected stop. But he said, you know what? I'm going to hang with these people for the day. And so he had spent the day teaching, um, and that's where we're picking up here in, in verse 12. So late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. So we see right away the disciples are saying, there is nothing, there is not enough. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go out and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. 
And so we see here, this is kind of, the, the disciples are, are feeling this tension because they're in this crisis of, of not enough. There's nothing there. There's all of these people staring back at us. And I'm sure if this was happening nowadays, they're thinking, okay, what are people going to post? You know, what are they tweeting right now about these hosts at this place? And so they're worried. What are we going to do? How are we going to fulfill this need that seems impossible? Um, But if we move on to the next slide. So Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50. So all of the people sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and fish, looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I just love this example of God math. It's so cool. So here's these guys saying, how, how is this going to happen? There is not enough. Enter Jesus, and it becomes enough. It actually becomes more than enough. Because as they talked about, they're taking, they're taking leftovers. So this situation, this season that they're sitting in, that they think that there is no hope, that there can never be enough. And it's this backdrop for God to come in and say, you know what? That's okay, because I'm God enough. So the next story is in the book of Exodus. Uh, Moses and Aaron are leading the Israelites out of Egypt. They've been traveling for a month, and, um, and they're hungry. So these people are hungry. So, and they're moaning because they're so, they, they're, they came out of a place where they had enough, and now they're recognizing that they don't have enough. They say, if only, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness where we will starve to death. So again, they're coming out of this season where they're like, you know what, we're comfortable. We know what enough looks like. So they were able to recognize what that not enough looks like. Then the Lord said to Moses, Lord, I'm, look, sorry, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it, they asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it was the food the Lord has given you to eat. And when they measured it out, and as we go on just a few verses Later, but when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. And I love this translation. Each family had just what it needed. And so, even in the midst of of a grumbling season, saying, "Oh my gosh, it can't get any worse," God's still going to come in and make sure that every family has exactly what they need. And then the last story I want to share with you, um, in 1 Kings chapter 17, um, the Lord is sending the prophet Elijah to Zarephath and lets him know that once he gets there, um, he's instructed a widow to feed him. So when Elijah arrives, he's supposed to find this widow, and this widow is going to give him dinner. 
And so he finds her and he says, hey, here for dinner. And this is where we pick up in, um, in verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I do not have enough. I don't know why he would send you to me for dinner. I got nothing. Elijah told her to continue um, as planned and to keep doing what she was doing. Um, let's see. Hang on, sorry. You flip to the next, sorry, the next slide. Good. So um, Elijah said, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing. The Lord said, you're going to make me a meal. You go ahead and you do that. Elijah told her to keep doing it. She did. They ate for days. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And so even when she didn't see it, even when she's like, I don't know why you're coming to me. I can't be what you're asking me to do. I can't do this. Elijah said, doesn't matter. Lord promised it will be enough. And so from there, we have some solid evidence of the times when God has used those seasons of not enough as a backdrop for more than the people that were involved could even imagine. So what do we need to remember from these? As I've sat with these stories of the past couple years and looked at my situation, three things. The first reminder, all God wants is what you have. If we think back to that first story of the loaves and fishes, um, loaves and fish. <laughs> the disciples said to Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. And then they even said, so do we need to go buy more? Do we need to get more? Do we need to be more to make this work? And what did Jesus say? Nope. Tell everybody to sit down. So all God's asking for from us is what we have. If we bring whatever it is that we have in the season that we're in, even if it's just a willing spirit, he can take that and turn that into abundance. And so I go back to the story that I, I talked about Max and his teacher. And I'm sitting with the teacher and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It was so easy to teach Mason to read and to teach Mason math. I don't know what to do. All I can bring you God is I want to help him and I, need, and I don't know how. And as only God can orchestrate, it turns out that the school that, well, the school that my son attends is actually uh, right behind Bradley University. And so they use education majors from Bradley to come in and be what they call Bradley buddies for the kids. So we were able that year to kind of up his time with Bradley buddies and have people that could help him with reading and with math that I wasn't able to do. And so God provided when I couldn't, when I didn't have what I thought was the capability to teach my son. And I said, okay, God, this is all I've got is the desire to help him be successful. You're going to have to do the rest. He put the right people in place for us to make that happen. So reminder one, all God wants is what you have. Reminder number two, God is present 
in all of the seasons. And as I said before with me, like those new seasons are always that time um, to make a second guess. You know, when you get through, like you get through the baby phase and you're like, yeah, that was, that, okay, we got this. We can keep moving with this. This will be good. And then a new season hits you and you're like, what? You know, where'd that come from? But God is there in all of the seasons. And we saw that um, with the journey of the Israelites. And one of the things I really love about this one is they were in a season where they were just grumbly. They were just mad that they weren't getting things the way that they wanted. You know, they're like, hey, we just left this great thing and you're going to leave us here. And I love, um, it's such a great reminder for us. And I love that we can be, we can rest assured in the promise that God is going to show up even when we're grumbly about it. Even when we're saying, look, it's not fair that this had to happen or it's not fair that we don't have enough of this or enough of that, that he, um, that he is willing, that he is there. And it's okay if we go to him and say, this season is really, really hard, God, because it's no surprise to him that this is a hard season for you. And it's, and it's okay for us to feel overwhelmed in those seasons, and it's okay to feel like it's the hardest one ever, because it probably is. At that time for you, that season is the hardest one, and it is okay to go to God and say, look, I'm mad that I'm in this season, or I'm grumbly about it, and it's not where I want to be. And trust me, over the past two years, I have said that to God so, so many times. I didn't pick to be here. I didn't choose to be in this spot. Why am I in this spot now where I am feeling less than enough? But it's exactly that time when we admit that we're weak, that God can be glorified in that, that he can come in and say, you know what, that's okay. That's okay. Because my strength is made great in your weakness. So I can come in and I can swoop you out of that and I can create more than enough for you. And then the last reminder, reminder number three I can't, but God can. And I'm going to actually subtitle this one, too, because as I was in the shower this morning, thinking, not only I can't, but God can, but in all of these seasons, there's only one Savior, and it's not me. I'm not meant to be the Savior for my kids or my spouse or anyone else. And neither were the disciples or Moses or Aaron or the widow. He didn't ask them. God didn't ask them to be the enough. He just asked them to help him facilitate what he could do. They all needed the one to make their not enough enough. And this for me is such a great reminder, especially as a mom, because trying to be the perfect mom, saying, I can do all of it on my own. I can do, you know, I can do the crafts, make the dinners, do, you know, make sure that they've done all of their homework. We've seen it's only going to leave us weary and discouraged and ready to give up. And that's not where we need to be. Um, and so, once we get to the point that we can say, you know what, I'm not enough, but that's okay, that's when God can come in and work his God enough.
And as I sit in this season where I am of not enough, I've been both, both amazed and encouraged by what I've seen God do. I mentioned earlier that one of my um, not enough situations that was very, very real for us was financial. Um, I knew that I, I knew in my head that I needed to return to work. As I went through all of the numbers, I thought there's no way, there's no way that we can make this work with me still staying home with the boys. But at the time, with what was happening um, outside of that, I felt guilty. Uh, there's no way, I can't, I, God, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna go back to work full time at a job that's gonna make enough money that we need to sustain us and still be able to mother these boys through this season that I have no idea what to do with. And so I gave God what I had and it wasn't much. I said, okay, here's my situation, God. You know what I need when it comes to a salary, when it comes to an arrangement for the boys, um, when it comes to what we need, what we will need to sustain us. And God delivered. And God delivered bigger than I could have expected. So I'm sitting in a job right now that is about two times the salary that I told God that I needed. I work from home so I can drop the boys off at school every day. I'm there when they get home every day. So we, we haven't had to uh, decrease the level of connection time that we had, um, which has been just just such a sweet blessing in this season that we can process their day and I'm available to, to um, just connect with them as we need to. So, um, so it's real. So all of this stuff, I know it's so hard for us sometimes to read these stories in the Bible, about, but these happened so, so long ago. Does this really happen in real life? I'm here to tell you it happens in 2017. That when we take those moments that we feel not enough and we give them to God, he, he makes them God enough because he is God enough. So he makes them more than enough because he's God enough. And he'll continue to do that because that's who he is. So whatever your season is today, whether you came in weary as a mom, whether, you, um, whether you're struggling with a job, whether you're struggling in a relationship and you just don't know what to do next because nothing seems like enough, turn to God and let him turn your not enough into God enough. So I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just we thank you today that you that you are enough and we just thank you that you can turn what we look at as deficiencies in our parenting in our marriages and our jobs in just our lives that you can turn what we see as deficiencies into so much more. And I just ask today um, that no matter where we're sitting, no matter what our not enough season is, that you will give us the courage to just bring that to you. We know that you're asking for just all we have. And, and maybe today for some of us, all that is a willing spirit. All of that is just something. All of that is just, God, we just need out of this, but we don't know what to do next. And so we just pray that as we come to you with open hands and open hearts, proclaiming that we and ourselves are not enough, that you will meet us there, as you've shown time and time before, that you'll meet us there and show us abundance, and that you will be glorified because you and you alone are God enough. 
We pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen.